I'm Ray Arsenault. I've been teaching at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, for a very long time, since 1980. And I am very fortunate to hold the John Hope Franklin Professorship of Southern History. And in 2006, after eight years of research and writing, I published a book called Freedom Riders, 1961 and the Struggle for Racial Justice. And it really changed my career, changed my life, it made quite an impact, and led to a rediscovery of the Freedom Riders, who had been forgotten, and a documentary film done by Stanley Nelson, the great black documentary filmmaker for PBS for their American experience. Worked with Stanley for three years. We were very fortunate. It premiered at Sundance, and then we were nominated for three Emmys in 2011 for best writing, best documentary film, best editing, and we won all three. Got a George Peabody Award, which was quite amazing, and then we were all invited on Oprah. We were on one of her last four shows. She featured the Freedom Riders, invited every living Freedom Rider and his family to come to Chicago, and we had 180 of them there, and it was quite remarkable. But now, perhaps even more unexpected, the Chicago Opera Theater has just held the world premiere of the opera Freedom Ride, based in large part on my book. And the premiere was February 8th. It's at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago. And they did three performances. All were sold out. And the Chicago Tribune gave it just a rave review. And we had about 15 Freedom Riders there in the audience and at the reception singing Freedom songs for the crowd. And, and the mayor of Chicago was really thrilling. I mean, Dan Daniel Shore was a music professor at Xavier University in New Orleans. He's now at the Boston Conservatory of Music. And in 2011, he read my book and he decided he was really intrigued by the Freedom Riders. And so he started traveling around the South and some of the same highways where the Freedom Riders were traveling back in 1961 and started working on an opera. It's fictionalized, so he's taken real-life Freedom Rider characters and made a composite. The star is a young black woman named Sylvie Davenport, who is in New Orleans, and she's trying to decide whether to become a Freedom Rider. And her mother and her boyfriend and most of the people she knows, they think she's going to get herself killed. And they're fear, fearful, so they don't want her to do it. And so you go through her ups and downs trying to decide and why she does it, but she does. And it's, it really captures one of the most important themes of the Freedom Riders. The heroes are really the foot soldiers, the individual Freedom Riders. They didn't really have leaders in the sense that a lot of our organizations do. Almost everybody is their own leader in a sense. They have to make these moral judgments and take risks and decide what's really meaningful in life. If they're going to risk their life for an ideal like social justice or civil rights or equality under the law. So I had been in a, at a conference in Versailles, and I had agreed to do a paper on February 6th. So I had to fly back from Paris directly on the 8th, and I got to Chicago two hours before the reception, four hours before the premiere. I wasn't sure I was going to make it. There it was. It was thrilling. I've gotten to appreciate opera over the last 15 years. My wife and I often go to the St. Pete Opera, sometimes to Sarasota and sometimes to Tampa. And I went up for, to Boston first for the final workshop that the Massachusetts Opera had sort of hosted for the Chicago Opera Theater. And it was obvious hard off the bat that the music was so beautiful. It's like Dvorak's New World Symphony. It, 
it draws upon folk tunes and in some of it you can hear slave spirituals or traditional folk songs or soul it's really a beautiful opera i mean it's it's thrilling and they're hoping that other opera companies will pick it up it's a real tribute to the freedom riders it lends itself very well to the dramatics of opera it's a situation where human beings are challenged to reach down and dredge up enough courage and wisdom to do the right thing when the rest of the world doesn't appear to be doing that or sanctioning it. In other words, you've got to go against the grain. You know, you're an 18, 19-year-old kid and your elders, your teachers and your parents and, and some older civil rights leaders are telling you you're crazy to get on those buses to directly challenge the Ku Klux Klan. All you're going to do is get yourself killed or hurt, and you're not going to prove anything, really, that you want to prove that the South is ready for racial equality. And At a human level, it doesn't get much more dramatic than that. You know, think about a number of the Freedom Riders the night before they got on the buses, they wrote out their last will and testament because they weren't sure they'd be coming back. The youngest was 14, Oldest was 61. Most were around 19 or 20. Mostly it was college students, black and white, north and south, male and female. And they decided they wouldn't push off the responsibility to anyone else, to the next generation. They were willing to shoulder it. They knew they were up against pretty tough odds because they were saying, we don't want freedom eventually or freedom later. We want freedom now. You know, we've been waiting for centuries to be treated decently, and that adds a tremendous level of drama to it because there were real consequences that they faced. A number of the, the real Freedom Riders were expelled from college and never finished. Some of them suffered physical or psychological wounds that never healed, really. They diverted their lives. In some ways, they sacrificed themselves, and they knew that was a real possibility for what they called the beloved community. You know, they climbed onto those buses and dared the Klan to stop them from exercising their constitutional rights, sitting in the front of the bus, or blacks and whites sitting together at a lunch counter, or using the restroom. You know, it was never really about the buses. It was about a deeper principle. And the, the white supremacists knew that. I mean, they sort of knew this is not really about where they're sitting on a bus. They saw this as just the first salvo, the first battle in an ongoing war to bring freedom and justice to the United States.